Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jadikin. Let's start out the show by thanking our patrons for the week. Yay. They donated over at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. This week we had Vanessa, Sasha, Angel, another Vanessa, Caitlin, Mackenzie, Murden, Kelly, Sophia, Raquel, Kira, Maria, Sean, Sydney, Trinity, Zach, Christy, SL, Amy, James, April, Nikki, and Steven. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys so much. So what do we got? Well, we got a kind of obscure case from 1930s Los Angeles, and it's kind of in the same vein, some similar themes to the Badlands case. Oh. Except this took place in Los Angeles. Look... There have been a lot of couples throughout the 20th century that have gone on these crime sprees together. Yeah. Does crime make people horny? I think it I think it probably does. Like not horny, but like I think two people who have built up some story with each other that it's just them against the world, right? Like right, right. especially if they're younger. Oh yeah. yeah. And th- this is a younger couple. Well, at least the girl was. Okay. Maybe the guy should have known better. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> now, the book that I used for my primary research is called Blonde Rattlesnake, Burma Adams, Tom White, and the 1933 Crime Spree that Terrorized Los Angeles by Julia Bricklin. Now, this book had a lot of really great information on it. My other sources were, of course, old newspaper articles that detailed the trial. And, you know, it's always great to see when there's like a, a, a woman criminal how they portray her in the old old timey media. Yes. There's a lot of themes. You know, she was called the blonde bandit. She was called the blonde rattlesnake. Her boyfriend was called the rattlesnake bandit. Ooh. You don't see bandit a lot anymore. No. There was a lot of bandit language. It's like a, it seems like a specific type of robber. Like you have to have a like a, a black little Zorro mask on. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like you have to be like <laughs> Is that like the dumb bitch? <laughs> I was literally like, they're like a raccoon. They have that little raccoon mask. Yeah, like the Hamburglar. <laughs> yes. Like the Hamburglar is a bandit. Absolutely. That's what a bandit is. They wear that little mask. Don't correct us. No. We're correct. Okay. In 1933, at the height of the Great Depression, Los Angeles was rife with bank robbery and murder, no doubt in part to due to the economic unrest that was plaguing the city, as well as the rest of the country. This is the story of a young woman that the press dubbed the blonde rattlesnake who committed a series of crimes with her husband in the summer of 1933 that fascinated the press and terrified the public. Burma Arline Adams was born January 9th, 1914 in Cleveland, Ohio to Joseph Adams and Pearl Smith. 
The family moved to Santa Ana, California in 1920 on the advice of Joseph's doctor. You know, a lot of people in the early 20th, early 20th century moved to Los Angeles on the advice of their doctor. Oh, because of the dry heat? My great-grandfather, Fred, moved to Los Angeles from Montana in like 1905 or something okay. because he had like a cold. And they're like, move him to California. Yeah, I mean, that's in, um, in Arizona as well. Really? There's like um, a place called Bethany Home is a street in Arizona. And I think I found out that that was um, a place where they would send tuberculosis p- patients. Oh. Because the dry heat supposedly helps clear up the phlegmy whatever. Like, so if you have chronic bad, like lung problems. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I don't know if it's true or what. But, but I just thought that was like, oh, so that was like a thing that people did. Yeah, definitely. Joseph and Pearl got married after the move. And in 1924, they had another child together, a girl named Joe. Burma Adams did well in school and her extra and her extracurricular activities. She was the youngest in her class as well. She was just 10 years old when she entered seventh grade. Whoa. That's extremely young. Yes. Because you're 12, 13. Yeah. 10 is like fifth grade. Yeah. Yeah. In high school, she was in the glee club and on the honor roll. But at the beginning of her senior year, she was involved in an accident when a fellow classmate struck her with his car when she was riding her bike. She Mm. suffered a fractured skull that required surgery to relieve the pressure that was building up inside of her head. During her trial, a teacher would claim that Burma's head injury was responsible for her crimes as it had altered her personality and drove her to commit heinous acts. But Burma remained well-liked and very social. She was also known for her kindness and for being a good girl. I mean, it's possible a head injury could make you have less good decision-making skills, right? Like, Well, I mean, that's like part... I mean, at, at, at the time of these crimes in 1933, I, we didn't have like the... Right. The common uh, idea, the serial killer idea that like serial killers often have... Head injuries. Head injuries. Uh, yeah. But yeah. So this woman was ahead of her time. (laughs) (laughs) By 1929, the country was sliding into the Depression and Joseph Adams Bakery was struggling to make ends meet. Burma dropped out of high school to go to cosmetology school, which was offered for free at her high school. After getting her license, she got a job at a salon in L.A. on Wilshire and moved to the city where she lived in an apartment with some other girls. She sought out a job at a salon in San Francisco for a minute, but returned back to L.A. shortly after they had a 6.4 earthquake that devastated parts of Los Angeles and Orange County. Okay. So she's like, I need to be back with my family. They were just involved in an earthquake. Got to go back down there. She moved into an apartment in Westlake and got a job at a new beauty parlor. Now, Westlake, for those of you who don't know, it's just south of Echo Park. Burma was later quoted in the magazine True Story as saying, quote, Being a girl, I'd hardly be normal to not, want to, to not want my share of good times, pretty dresses, and masculine attention. Of course. <laughs> in June of 1933, she met a man named Tom White through a friend who had invited her to accompany her and another guy on a double date. Burma bought a new dress and bleached her brown hair platinum blonde before the date. Ooh. That's a bold move. Absolutely. Doing something so drastic right before a first date. Love it. Especially bleaching your hair. Yeah, that sounds scary. But I guess she was a cosmetologist. Oh, 
right. So she had a little training. She had some skill. The bleaching is scary when you have dark hair like that. If she, you said you had dark hair, right? You got to do it a lot and add a, a heavy duty toner. Yeah. Wow. That night, as they danced and drank at Sebastian's Cotton Club in Culver City, Burma fell in love with Tom. Ooh. Now, Tom White was several years older than Burma. He was 36 and she was 19. Whoa. He was born on July 21st, 1897 in Clinton County, New York, which is, in, which is upstate New York. Tom's father was in the Army, and so him and his family lived in several different states in the country throughout his early childhood. Tom's father retired from the Army in 1909 as a sergeant major. Soon after, Tom's mother died. Tom and his sister were sent to a Catholic boarding school in Denver where their father lived close by. By 1911, when he was around 13, Tom began to get into trouble. That year, him and his friends stole bicycles from a school and hatched a plan to run away to Mexico. When they were caught, Tom was sent to reform school, but he was sent home from the school a year later. A few years later in 1916, Tom and his friend Robert broke into a drugstore and attempted to steal from the cash register. They were caught by an off-duty policeman who was walking by and saw the attempted break-in. Tom was sent to the Buena Vista Correctional Facility for Juveniles for six months. Now, he attempted to escape while he was there, but he was unsuccessful. He went back to the juvie the following year after violating his parole. It was only a few months before he was set to be released when Tom just walked out of the prison while a guard was distracted. I love people who escape from prison. (laughs) That's so ballsy. I would be way too scared. I mean, that you really have to commit if you're going to do that. I just feel like I couldn't. I would never have the nerve to no. like walk out. It seems so scary. Because and then I'd be like, they're just going to give me more time now. <laughs> like, yeah, because if you get caught, you get fucked so hard. You have to be sure you're going to not get caught. And I just could never. It takes a lot of guts to do yeah. that. Absolutely. Yeah. And he just fucking walked out. He waltzed out. Yeah. While the guy's back was turned. But, uh, and he did this only a few months before he was going to be released. Whoa. Those are the people that are like the wildest. The ones that are like, yeah, I'm going to get out in a month, but I can't take well, this. Well, here's the thing. He also wasn't planning this. He just saw an opportunity. He's like, well, I'm going to just walk out. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's really ballsy. You know what I mean? Like, to just take advantage of an opportunity. He doesn't give a fuck. He has no plans. Yeah. He's just vibing. Now... He actually didn't get caught for a whole year. Ooh. But when he was busted for stealing a car with some friends, he was sent right back to the same correctional facility. You got to stop you got to stop criming. <laughs> if you're going to escape, at least in the same state. Absolutely. You do it in another state maybe or move change countries. Absolutely. But Tom was not deterred by his failures to escape prison. Just a month after being back in the joint, him and another inmate sawed the bars off their cell window. The escape was a success, and Tom made it all the way to Salt Lake City, Utah. He tried to join the Army, but they wouldn't let him join for some reason, so he went back to Denver. He's a criminal. (laughs) (laughs) They actually didn't know that. They, They just wouldn't let him join. It was in Denver where he started going by his alias, Frank McDonald. He tried to enlist in the Army in Denver, but... While he was at the enlistment office, he was spotted by someone that he'd been in prison with, like a fellow inmate. 
And oh. this idiot was like, hey, I know you. Hey, remember me from jail? <laughs> <laughs> and this dude ratted him out to the military police. Oh, my God. I would have beat this kid's ass. What a dipshit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Frank slash Tom was pissed. He was. Yeah. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. This time, Tom was sent back to jail, but he was sent to an adult prison because he was 21 years old now. Okay. So okay. they're like, oh, this is an escape convict. Yeah. I mean, he's he's pretty bad, like as far as escaping goes. <laughs> he's not good at it. I like that he actually sawed the bars. Like, does anyone even escape that way anymore? Like, that has to be obsolete now. Yeah. To just saw your bar- bars off. <laughs> yeah, I think they like go the nail through, file. I think people go through vents more now, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. You should watch this show on ID. I almost got away with it. Ooh, that sounds perfect for me. It's such a good show. <laughs> I've said it many times on the show. I almost got away with it on Investigation Discovery. All the episodes are on Hulu. They, it's a lot of stories about people who broken out of prison, and they tell you like how they did it, and it's always really fascinating. Oh, yeah. Best reenactments in the game. Oh, wait. You did an episode from this show. I have. Yeah. They have great stories. The, the boobs. Right? Boob. Yeah. No, that wasn't I almost got away with it. Oh. That was like dangerous love or okay. something. That was like okay. some other. There was something because I remember now because I was like, I have to watch this. 
It was some other investigation okay. discovery show, but this one in particular, I almost got away with it. Okay, I'm going to watch this. Desi. Yeah. I'm so excited. This is like, that's like a title. That's like my memoir. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm not even bad. And they always have interviews with the convicts. Okay. That's like my total vibe. I almost got away with it. Dude, it's so good. I love the stories when it's someone who's been on the lam for like 20 years. Yeah. Because then you feel kind of bad that they... I would say they more than almost got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> now, so he goes back to prison, but in 1919, he was released and he moved to Los Angeles where his father and his sister were now living. He got a job as a mechanic at a shop in Echo Park. A few years later, Tom started having run-ins with the law again. Tom. In 1924, he was arrested for drunkenness. Also for robbery. <laughs> They're like, did they? Did he do them at the same time? Probably. They're like, not only are you robbing, but you're drunk. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you reek! Get in the car. I'm disgusted with you. <laughs> he was arrested again in 1927 for drunkenness. This time they were like, we don't care if you robbed anything. You're drunk again. Wait, is this during Prohibition? Oh, yeah, this is during Prohibition. Okay. <laughs> so it's a more serious crime. Yeah. Yes. But still. Right. Should always punish the venue, not the person, in my Come opinion. On. And in 1930, Tom and some other guys stole several hundred dollars worth of cartons of cigarettes, which they attempted to sell in Hollywood before being arrested. That's like a classic crime. Yeah. Selling stolen cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> he was sentenced to one to ten years and was sent to San Quentin. While in San Quentin, Tom fashioned a shiv and nearly disemboweled a fellow inmate. Whoa. During the fight, Tom had his eye gouged out and he had to have it replaced with a glass eye. Ooh. Dangerous. Yeah. No wonder Burma fell in love with him. Seriously. He was transferred to Folsom. He was released from prison in 1933, just two months before he met Burma Adams. Is this guy hot? Uh, he's not as ugly as some of the guys we've talked. You know what? Okay. He's, he's 1933 hot. Okay. He's fine. Yeah. He's fine. And maybe his glass eye made him hotter. Well, certainly his personality. <laughs> he's like a bad boy. <laughs> yeah, he's a bad boy. Yeah. And that's what... Burma's looking for because she's been a good girl. Ooh. After their first date that night in Culver City, Burma and Tom entered into a whirlwind romance, spending every night together for the next month. Tom showered her with gifts and picked her up in fancy cars, and he always had lots of cash on him. Hmm. Burma- <laughs> he never he never worked. He didn't. <laughs> I think he was like, oh, I play the stocks. Yeah. Like he gave her one of those bullshit answers. Right. I'm an investor, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And Burma took his word for it when he, oh, right here, I wrote it down. He said he earned his money from trading stocks and bonds. Okay. On the night of Wednesday, August 16th, newspaper publisher Crombie Allen and his friend Cora Withington, a school teacher, were driving through the Westlake area of Los Angeles after seeing the film Tugboat Annie. <laughs> Have you seen that movie? Uh, no. It's really I don't good, think I've Desi. seen any Tugboat movies. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. It's but... not my genre. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a good uh, movie title. I mean, maybe that's a character from back then. 
that was really popular. It like, kind of oh, just sounds right? like the most 1933 movie. Yeah. Talk about Annie. It's like that she's like a singer, a dance hall girl. Yeah. <laughs> or she's an orphan. Oh, yeah. Like orphan Annie, but she's a little more. She's um, a little rough around the edges. <laughs> She's a little. Ra- she lives on a farm. She doesn't. She's had sex. She do- she's fucked. She doesn't live in Manhattan. She lives on a farm in Nebraska. Tugboat Annie. Please do not tell us what this movie is about. We like our virgin. Hold on. And we're back. I have just found out what Tugboat Annie is about. Okay. Here's the synopsis. Annie Brennan is one of the Pacific Northwest best skippers, though her drunk husband Terry is no help. Ugh. And- I hate Terry. <laughs> Annie's son, Alec, an industrious student, becomes the youngest ship's master on the Pacific coast and gets engaged to his boss's daughter. Terry continues to drink heavily, causing an accident in his stupor that makes Alice lose her boat. Angry with his father, Alec refuses to talk to his parents until, in trouble at sea, he needs their help. So it's actually about boats. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And a drunk guy. Okay. Drunk Terry. Drunk Terry is the best character I can already tell. <laughs> I'm going to watch this later. <laughs> Who's get, in it? Anyone? Um, no. It's okay. uh, M- Marie Dressler. Oh, Marie Dressler. I know who she is. Okay. Uh, Terry is played by Wallace Beery. Oh, so these are big stars from back then. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not very famous nowadays. No. They're this not- must be a comedy, though, because Marie Dressler is like a famous comedian. Like, she did a lot of comedies. And it's a pre-code film. Ooh. So you know it's good. Wallace Beery is also a drunk in real life. It must be a comedy, because look at this deranged fucking poster for it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know Marie Dressler does, like, comedies. Right. Like I, But there was a possibility, you know, they always have to branch out. But that's, like, what she's known for. Oh, yeah. Look at that. That's a comedy. And Wallace yeah. Beery is a drunk. He was mentioned in some other show we did. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, it's slipping I my mind. I can't remember either, but I know he was. Um, so oh, I think it was the um, the uh, Three Stooges guy. He was there the night the guy got beat up. Oh, yes. outside the fight, outside the yeah. bar. Yeah. Okay. So this teacher and this newspaper publisher, they're having a nice date, nice time together. They're actually just friends. Uh-huh. They went to go see a comedy. Now they're driving. Uh What's his name? Our, uh, Crombie Allen, this newspaper publisher, he, it's his car, but he let her drive his car because she wants to learn how to drive. Aw. That's very nice of him. When they were at a stoplight, a car pulled up alongside them. Burma Adams was driving and Tom White was in the passenger seat. Tom leapt out of the car, <sighs> pointed a gun at Crombie and Cora, and he said, shell out, sweetheart. <laughs> And that goes for you too, Bo. <laughs> I love it. I can't believe people used to talk like that. And and Burma was just like what? <laughs> <laughs> she just must have been like. <gasps> <laughs> A terrified Crombie Allen handed over eighteen dollars and his watch. Cora Withington reached for her purse within the folds of her skirt. This alarmed Tom because she was like rifling around. In her skirt? Yeah. So, well, no, How don't. big of a skirt was it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, like, it's like. I'm just like, they, how is the purse in the folds of your skirt? It's like Mother Ginger in the Nutcracker where all the, <laughs> where all the children are underneath the skirt. Yes. 
She's pulling out all these little kids. It's like the Ben caught stealing video where he's like pulling a pineapple. <laughs> we all have our references. That is the most. That is the most disgustingly Gen X reference I think I've ever heard in my life. The bin caught stealing video. How dare you? You beast. You beast. Beast. <laughs> now, this made him nervous because she was like, what's taking so long? Yeah. Where's your fucking purse? So Tom shot her straight through the eye <gasps> and the bullet exited her head and grazed Crombie Allen's neck. Crombie, while injured, turned around and saw Burma a blonde woman wearing a brown headscarf laughing in the driver's seat oh my of the car God. next to him. Jesus. Nervous laughter. <laughs> the car peeled out before he could get a good look at Tom, his assailant. I can't believe he shot her. Both victims survived. Oh, good. And they were rushed to the hospital where doctors were attempting to save Cora's sight from her remaining eye. Did they? No. Aww. Did she, she have to get a glass eye? Maybe. Holy this is like shit. The circle of life. Yes. The vehicle used in the attack had been reported stolen earlier by a man named Leslie Bartle. Ooh. Earlier that day, Burma and Tom pulled up to an apartment building on Rampart Street just as a 32 year old life insurance agent and his friend Gertrude Host were arriving. Now, Gertrude was friends with this guy, Leslie Bartle. She lived at the complex. She happened to be friends with Leslie's mother. That's how they knew each other. And after Leslie's mom died, they just remained friends. Fun fact about Gertrude Host is that she was really into transcendental meditation and astral projection. Ooh. And she later joined a cult. Nice. I, I, I did like some preliminary research on her, but I couldn't find anything. So I'm going to have to do some more digging. What was the cult? Do you I know? don't know. That's oh, what I was trying okay. to find out. Yeah. Leslie and Gertrude were... Ex- were uh, exiting their car, going back into the apartment, when Tom White said to Gertrude, get back in there, sweetheart. He waved the gun at both of them and then demanded the, their money and car keys. Tom made Gertrude hand over the jewelry that she was wearing. Leslie only had $4 on him. Gertrude said she had no money, but Tom didn't believe her. He ordered her to get back out of the car But Gertrude had managed to stash her purse in the back of the car, hoping that the robber wouldn't see it. Gertrude then said, Say, where is my coffee? And she reached into the backseat of the car to get her purse and a bag of coffee that was also there. She was trying to make like she was just grabbing her coffee and not her purse also. She managed to hide the purse in her coat before Tom saw it. But Tom saw the bag of coffee. He snatched it away from her and just dumped it all over her. (gasps) Whoa. All these coffee grounds. That's so frustrating. And coffee must have been so expensive back then, too. Yeah, it was the depression. Yeah. Gertrude panicked and ran from the car and into her apartment. Tom and Burma then took off in Leslie's car. They ditched the car that they had been driving, a gray Chevy that had they had robbed at gunpoint from a man in Lawndale. Leslie Bartle identified the robbers as a man and woman wearing dark sunglasses. The woman had blonde hair and the same brown turban-like scarf covering much of her blonde hair. Leslie Bartle's car was found abandoned a few days after the shooting. 
The LAPD descended on the city, setting up traffic stops and blockades and doing random searches of cars in an attempt to locate the bandit couple. They had Leslie Bartle, as well as other robbery victims, come into the station to look at hundreds of mugshots in an attempt to identify the bandits, but no one made a match. While one of the victims was at the station attempting to identify the assailants, another robbery was reported, this time at 3rd Normandy. A man reported being held up at gunpoint by two men and one woman, and they had taken $37 from him. While the LAPD searched for the bandit couple, Burma Adams and Tom White continued their crime spree, robbing grocery stores and gas stations at gunpoint. A butcher who worked at Safeway said that he saw a very nervous-looking blonde woman in the driver's seat of a car in the back of the store with the passenger door wide open. This is clearly a getaway move. Yeah. He was like, why is this woman just idling back here with the door open? Now, he had... No idea that at the, at the time, the employees at the front of the store were being robbed at gunpoint. Oh, shit. He's in the back. Yeah, yeah. Butchering like the shit. Way, yeah. He said that he then saw a man hop into the car before she sped off. A gas station attendant, attendant named C.E. McCurdy said that Tom and Burma pulled up to his gas station on August 26, 1933 and demanded money. When he refused, Tom stuck his gun into the man's stomach and said that he would shoot. Then they took all the attendant's money, $11. (sighs) A few days later, on the night of August 31st, Tom White followed a man named Clarence Lewis up the stairs of his apartment. When Clarence heard the footsteps behind him, he stopped on the landing of the stairs and turned around. Tom was pointing a gun at him. He said nothing. He just fired the gun at Clarence, and the bullet grazed the flap of his pocket and went into the wall. Tom then tried to make a grab for Clarence's pocket, presumably to get his wallet, but he fought him off. This guy, Clarence, just was like, fuck you, and punched Tom. Tom fired his gun again, missing Clarence, and he hopped into his car, a blonde woman in the driver's seat, and they sped off. On September 1st, 1933, in the midst of their crime spree, Tom White and Burma Adams got married at the home of Burma's parents in Santa Ana. Burma wore a black satin gown with a corsage of fresh gardenias. The decor featured pastel-colored flowers and pale green taper candles. The wedding dinner was served buffet-style, and there were two cakes. Now, this event was written about in the Santa Ana Register and told of how the newly married couple planned to relocate to San Francisco after their honeymoon. So isn't that cute how this local couple is written up in the paper? Can you imagine reading someone's like wedding, um, you know, event description in the paper? Meanwhile, the couple that you're reading about is on like a crime spree. Yeah. (laughs) That's incredible. I mean, it sounds like a chic wedding. (laughs) It was like a budget back backyard wedding but she i think she like really did like a great job on the diy with this yeah like a black satin gown a black satin gown is so cool yeah with gardenias yeah nice i like that that's tasteful Mm -hmm. burma's parents had only met their daughter's new husband just a couple weeks prior to the wedding the father joseph recalled that when he first met tom at his home on August 20th, her daughter's then boyfriend refused to take off his sunglasses. Ooh. He was like, no, I'm not taking them off. And the dad was probably like, this guy's a fucking dipshit. Yeah. He's an asshole. But he finally convinced Tom to take off the damn sunglasses. And when he did, he saw that Tom had a glass eye. 
Didn't he feel stupid? <laughs> He's gonna be like, see, you mean to take off my fucking glasses? There, you happy? I have a glass eye, okay? <laughs> uh, later in the week, Tom and Burma visited the Adams while they were in Santa Ana getting a marriage license. The couple visited with Burma's parents again just a day before the wedding on August 31st, and Joseph Adams claimed that he saw bruises on his daughter's <gasps> face, oh, no. arms, and chest. He said that also there was a lump on Burma's forehead <gasps> as well. Oh, my God. Joseph Adams was not the only person who noticed these injuries. Wedding guests claimed that they too had seen them. Burma's mother had seen even more bruises. Oh my god! Because she had seen her daughter bathing, oh, she noticed shit. a large bruise on her pelvic area, <gasps> as well Ooh. as bruises on her back. Damn! Burma told her mother that she had injured the pelvic area on a surfboard, hmm. and she had also told everyone else, "I fell down the stairs." Classic, right? Friends of the Adams and wedding guest. Uh, oh, sorry. Friend of the Adams and wedding guest William Casey noted, quote, she appeared to be very unhappy for a girl about to be married and under a great mental strain trying to control herself. Mm. On September 6th, 1933, Tom sent Burma to the auto shop to pick up the stolen vehicle that they had been driving, which had been getting repairs done. The shop was about a block away from their apartment in Westlake. At the garage, she noticed that there were men there hanging around in their oil-stained coveralls. She picked up the car and drove it down an alley where Tom was waiting for her. They continued on to their garage. Just as she was about to pull into the garage, the engine malfunctioned and she nearly got into an accident with the car behind her. Burma turned to look at the driver who was yelling at her. It was one of the men from the shop. After she parked the car, Tom went upstairs to their apartment. Burma went to the apartment where her sister and mom had been staying, which was in the same building but just below where Tom was. That's when two men in coveralls burst through the door. Where's your boyfriend? They (gasps) shouted at her. They were undercover police officers. Burma told them her husband Tom was upstairs but begged them not to question her in front of her mom and sister. She's like, this is so embarrassing. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) Desi, I get it. I get it. Poor Burma. Just then, a commotion rang out in the hallway, followed by three shots and a voice that said, We got him. (gasps) According to the police, when they confronted Tom in the hallway and announced themselves as the police, he spun around and fired at them, missing. They fired back, killing him. (gasps) They They killed killed Tom? They killed Tom. Holy shit. Yeah. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. 
That's stamps.com. Code program. The officers tried to stop Burma from going into the hallway. They told her that Tom was lying dead on the floor. She pushed her way past them and attempted to fling herself off the third floor window, but she was stopped just in time. She was then put into handcuffs. Where is the Chevrolet? asked Officer William Chester Burris. I don't have any Chevrolet, she said. I just saw you drive away from the filling station with it. And then Burma said, well, you ought to know. (laughs) Inside Burma's purse, they recovered the stolen car keys as well as a driver's license belonging to a woman named Laura Freericks. In Tom's apartment, police recovered other stolen items belonging to three different men. The men whose items were found were discovered to be associates of Tom's. Those three men wound up being arrested, and so did the woman, Laura Freericks, <gasps> whose license oh my she God. had found. Because this woman was the wife of a guy named William Freericks, who was in a lot of trouble with the law. Now, it's unclear how the Freericks were connected to Tom and Burma, criminally or otherwise, but it has been suspected that, like, okay, they probably ran in the same circles. Right. That's how... She came to have her driver's license right. on her. William Freerich had been in trouble with the law before the arrest of Burma White. In March of 1933, him and three other men knocked on the door of a Los Angeles couple claiming to be prohibition officers. William told the couple that he had a warrant to search their home. While he talked to the couple, his accomplices dressed in suits did a fake search of the garage where they may have found alcohol, but it's not entirely clear. William did tell the couple that they could pay him $150 just to make this all go away. Oh. So he busts in pretending to be like a a corrupt prohibition officer. What he wasn't counting on was for the couple to decide to take their chances in court. (laughs) They contacted a real prohibition officer and was like, well, this guy showed up to our house and told us to pay $150. And they're like, well, we don't know who this guy is. He's he's not a prohibition officer. So he was arrested, William. While he was being interrogated, he admitted to stealing alcohol from bootleggers while impersonating an officer from November 1932 to April 1933. He was also suspected of murdering a rival gangster named Robert John Busey. He was released on bail and then skipped out on his court appearance. But when they found the items, including his wife's driver's license, in the possession of Tom and Burma, they were able to locate him. A few months after Burma's arrest and Tom's death, five more men linked to the couple were arrested. Based on evidence found at the White's apartment, these men were suspected of robbing three different banks in Los Angeles. Tom White himself could have been charged in connection to these robberies had he not been gunned down by the police. Burma's trial began at the end of October in 1933. She was charged with three counts of assault with a deadly weapon with the intent to commit murder, seven counts of robbery, and one count of attempted robbery. The defense argued that Burma was a battered woman who was forced to go along with her husband's plans, while the prosecution argued that she was a willing accomplice to his crimes. The state's star witness was Crombie Allen, who was the man that was held up and shot at in the car with his companion's oh, right. school teacher, Cora Withington. Cora had been permanently blinded by the attack. The officers who arrested Burma and shot Tom testified at the trial. 
Officer Bergeron told the defense during cross-examination that he observed a bruise on Burma's face when they got down to the station following her arrest. Officer Anderson also stated that he noticed the bruise on her face when they got down to the station. He also testified to a conversation that he had with Burma on September 13th when he drove her to her grand jury hearing. He said that Burma remarked that she loved the Chevrolet that they had stolen and she wanted to keep it. She said she was able to keep all four wheels on the ground while making sharp turns at 50 miles an hour. She also stated that the man who really should have been arrested was the owner of the first car they had stolen, which was a Graham Page, because she said this car had faulty brakes and she nearly got into a wreck (laughs) while they were making their getaway. (laughs) Burma's parents testified for the defense, both of them testifying to seeing bruises on their daughter. Both had noticed bruises covering Burma during the whole span of her relationship with Tom White. Mr. Adams told the court that when Tom came around to their house, he rarely left Burma's side. So he's like a... How long were they together? They first met in June. So it's a short period, though. Very short period of time. So she's still like 19. Yes. Yeah. She's still 19 years old. Mr. Adams said that when Tom came to their house, he rarely left Burma's side. So he was very clingy and possessive of her. He said that him and his wife had noticed a distinct change in their daughter's mood and personality during the time that she was dating Tom. She had also begun biting her fingernails all the way down to the nub, which was unusual, especially considering she was like a cosmetologist and she always was very well groomed. On October 31st, Burma took the stand. Her defense attorney sought to highlight his client's employment history as a way to establish that she was a responsible, hardworking person before she met Tom White. Burma testified that she had no idea her then-boyfriend was about to commit an armed robbery when they came across Leslie Bartle and Gertrude Host on the evening of August 16th. She said that she was frightened and that she did what Tom said because he was waving a gun at her. Her lawyer asked her why she drove off in the stolen vehicle with Tom. She replied, because I was afraid he would shoot me if I did not. I was afraid he would kill me. Burma told the court about the times that Tom had beaten her. She said the last time was on September 1st. She said this beating was to coerce her into going through with the wedding that day. Burma said that Tom told her that she could never leave him, and if she tried, he would beat her up. He also, she also testified that the first time Tom had become violent was on August 16th when he noticed a second dinner plate at the table after coming home one evening. <gasps> Burma had had an old guy friend over from school Ooh. for dinner, and this was the night that he forced her to do the first robberies. Okay. The prosecution next attempted to tie Burma to some other robberies that had occurred between August 10th and August 15th which, if Burma did commit, would destroy her claim that she was bullied into committing robberies after being beaten on the 16th. Though Burma denied these accusations and the judge eventually threw these charges out, there was evidence that was presented to the jury by the prosecution. The robbery victims claimed that Burma and Tom were the perpetrators and that their car was the one that was the getaway car, which was her mother's car at the time. The prosecution asserted that Burma had many times to escape her abusive relationship with Tom. Burma said she was afraid for her life and her family's life if she left him. 
The prosecution pointed out that it was reported earlier by Tom's sister that her and her soon-to-be husband were seen laughing and smiling after they obtained the marriage license. Violet Dillon, Tom's sister, told the court how she never saw anything wrong with their relationship and they always seemed happy. Hmm. But in the end, Burma White was found guilty. Really? Yeah. She was sentenced to 33 years to (gasps) life in Tehachapi State Prison. Holy shit. Burma's mother, as well as family, friends, and acquaintances, wrote to the parole board asking for Burma's release, testifying to her good character. But her petitions for parole over the next few years were all denied. Burma wound up being released on good behavior in December of 1941. She moved to San Francisco, where she started a new career and eventually remarried in 1951. Their relationship had started out with Burma as the other woman. Ooh. This guy who she got married to, I think his name is Arthur, he was married to his second wife at the time that he met Burma. So there was a bit of an overlap there. Burma applied for clemency, but the LAPD wrote a strongly worded letter to the chairman granting that the pardon, uh, who was granting the pardon, and her request was eventually denied. She wanted clemency because she wanted to travel. Okay. And she wasn't able to do that being a felon. Burma and her husband, Alfred, moved to Seattle where her alcoholism progressed. In 1962, her husband found her dead on the floor of their home. Oh, my God. Cause of death was acute cerebral edema resulting from alcoholism. Her blood alcohol level was 0.30 at the time of her death. She died on September 6th, the same day as her former husband, Tom White. Whoa. Her husband, Alfred, died a few months later, also from alcoholism. Holy shit. It's kind of a tragic ending. Do you think she was getting really drunk on the anniversary of his death? Maybe, but she had already like had been like, you know. I mean, she already was an alcoholic. Yeah. But was she, she really tying one on that night? Maybe, maybe she was. Really that seems like a on. weird coincidence. It is a weird coincidence. But yeah, she had just become an alcoholic. Over so the she years. was like 50 yeah. something. Yeah. Not that old. Yeah. Because when she went in, she was only 19. Yeah. Uh, what is her name spelled B E R or B U R? B U R. Okay. M A H. Oh, with an H. Yeah, with an oh, H on the end. Oh, okay. She had some looks in the courtroom. I'm guessing because that's an unusual wedding dress. <laughs> like, in my opinion, most people don't wear black on their wedding day. Yeah, don't you think? I mean, she was a stylish little 19 year old. Yeah, and she was into beauty, obviously. Right. Like. Uh, But there's this one great look that I'll post um, on our Instagram page, and it's her one of her courtroom looks, and she's wearing like a black uh, jacket with a white fur collar. Oh yeah, classic look with her blonde hair. So she's blonde. She's blonde in the courtroom with her finger waves. Is she uh, attractive? Like what's her? Yeah, yeah. Um, And she has the very small, thin pencil eyebrows, right? As well. There's some there's some good pictures for this case. Okay, actually, good. there were more. There's more pictures for this case than some other obscure cases. So I was pretty happy about that, yeah. just to see what everybody looked like. Um, and the book I read was very detailed. There were some rabbit holes I definitely want to go down later, specifically about prohibition in Los Angeles. Yeah, that era. Like there were some gangsters that they mentioned that I'd never heard of before. Yeah, or at least prohibition like bootlegger people that I, I like, wanted. I like the bootlegger era it's interesting yeah 
It's interesting. And, and yeah, I mean, both of us just finished watching Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. So I'm kind of... I was thinking that you said something. Oh, I was thinking of the Michael Shannon character as like a um, prohibition officer. In right. It. And then he starts pretending to be one when he isn't. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely think um, I'll do some more research into that later. Cool. See what I can find. Yeah. Anyway, that's the blonde rattlesnake story. I'm looking forward to the pictures. Absolutely. We have to see Tom, too. We all want to know. We all want to know. I have, a few, <laughs> I have a few pictures of him, including okay. a picture of him dead, but I won't post that. Mm. But there's some pictures of him. You can show me privately. I'll show you privately, Desi. <laughs> I'm sure you guys could find it. Anyway, uh, that's okay, it. Okay, bye. Bye.